Welcome back to another episode of An Uproarious Profundity. This show is for you if you are a spiritually attuned go-getter, and we are dishing out today some unconventional wisdom for you. My name is Meggie Lee Calvin. Friends call me Meg. Feel free to do the same. I'm here today with one of my most favorite homo sapiens on the planet, Ellen Compton. Welcome. Thank you, Meg. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so glad that you're here. I love describing you, the author and teacher that you are, that if Jen Hatmaker was to join a biker gang, it would be you. <laughs> that makes me sound so scary. <laughs> <laughs> not not a violent biker gang. Like No. No, not a violent one. But sweet, sweet biker. Sweet biker, but definitely yeah. some tatted sleeves like you've yeah. seen some shit. Yes. But wearing vegan leather. Vegan. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> so good. And a month from today, a little less than a month from today, your first book, first of many, I selfishly hope, <laughs> is dropping with choir. The book is called Good Things Happen in the Dark, a candid, I should have written this out, a candid manifesto on courageous authenticity. Did I remember it right? Almost. A candid manifesto for courageous authenticity. I have been doing that for months. Well, it's really a mouthful. It's a lot of words. Yes. But it, it's, all the, it's all the right words. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So for our listener, these, this book, I'm so excited to share Ellen's frequency with you as a fellow author in my world, as a, one of the authors I, I get to partner with in her, in her marketing for this amazing book. And now for a, a little about that book before we get into the ridiculous, uproarious profundities that she'll be sharing. And to tell you about that book that there's no better way to describe it then, there are unfathomable experiences, as we all know, in this life that attempt to take us out that torment us with our too muchness and our not enoughness. These raw words are guidance for spiritual mavericks who are done with fitting in and are ready to live authentically. Even if you've always played the game or you've refused and so you've been punished, corrected and sanitized by others for being real. You can find joy in the mess and live free from the social gauntlet. And this book is going to be an amazingly raw and witty and hilarious guide. Good things happen in the dark. So we're so excited to dive into that. But before we do that, things need to get ridiculous. And with that said, Ellen, I know you've, you've listened to at least one of the one or one or two of the episodes. So you have. You're not afraid of the buzzard or the time limit? Oh, you know, I'm absolutely afraid of it. I've been stressing all day because <laughs> I am not good at one word answers or, <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm going to do my, I'm going to so do my best. Yes. And I know you have a pen and paper next to you. So feel free to, to mark any ones you want to come back to and I will do the same. Okay. And so three seconds or less, the first word that comes to mind will have four rounds of different types of questions. And then of course, Ellen has no idea which ones I'm going to mark for us to come back to in conversation in the second half of the show. So without further you know risk, this is Meg, right? You know what a risk, because sometimes we don't know what's going to come out of Ellen's mouth. So we know <laughs> this, this is a risk. 
If yes. you're willing to take it, then I am too. Yes. That's why there's the explicit sticker on the podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perfect. Without further ado, it's time for this or that. Okay. Soup or fish? Soup. Mountain skiing or ocean swimming? Ocean swimming. Converse, con conversion chart or visit an art museum? Oh, art museum. <laughs> Sandals or heels? Oh, come on. Context. Sandals and heels. <laughs> Navy blue or teal? Uh, Navy blue. <laughs> Glennon Doyle or Jen Hatmaker? Oh, come on. Uh, Glennon Hatmaker. <laughs> Coffee or tea? Coffee. Summer or winter? Summer. Curl your hair or straighten your hair? Oh, curl my hair. I should have been born with an afro. <laughs> I have a Do funny story about that. Dog or bird? Dog. Boat ride or board games? Boat ride. Fiction or nonfiction? Nonfiction. Deep sea diving or outer space travel? Outer space. Coming into the home stretch, Gap or Old Navy? Uh, aren't they the same company? Old Navy. <laughs> <laughs> they might be. I'm. I'm curious. They are. They're owned by the same. Okay. <laughs> Comedy or action movie? Comedy. Last question: Fly a plane untrained or host the Oscars without ever seeing the cue cards? Oh, host the Oscars, hands down. I had a feeling you would say that. They should invite me to do that. They, they really should. should. <laughs> who, who knows what the future holds? Who knows? Yeah. Especially after they hear these excellent answers of mine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Glenn and hat maker. <laughs> Peter. <laughs> that is awesome. We survived the first of four rounds. So now we boldly go into true or false. It's a good thing that you can't see me because I, I am sweating a little bit. <laughs> with the nerves. The nerves. Oh my gosh. I, I, yeah, I feel you. I sweat when I'm guessing on shows too, and it's not even this intense. So they're just asking me, tell us your faith story. <laughs> right. No, that would make me sweat more, actually. Right. <laughs> I like this. True, true or false. Okay. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do is punch someone in the throat. Yes, true. <laughs> it's rude to send food back if it was not made the way you ordered it false true or false being an introverted being introverted is much more fun than being extroverted oh false <laughs> says the says the amnivert <laughs> yes exactly or the ambivert yeah yeah <laughs> True or false? I write best in silence. True. True or false? Baby clubs are not necessary for a healthy woman. Oh, untrue. False. True or false? People can be intelligent in different ways. True. True or false? Life is way better now that I have a smartphone. True. True or false? YWAM helped me to better hear God. 
true-ish. True. <laughs> true or false, age is a matter of mind. True. True or false, French is the prettiest language. I'm going to say false, even though I love French. Mm. I'm going to say I'm going to say false. I'm fascinated to come back to hear that opinion. True or false? Parenting has made me love myself even more. True. True or false? Canadians are way more polite than Americans. True. True or false? People have to gain my trust. I don't trust them right off the bat. Very true. True or false? Oh, everybody thinks I trust them. Everybody mm -hmm. thinks they're my friend, but I have many, many layers. Oops, sorry. Too much. Whoa, true. fascinating. True or false? Soggy cereal sucks. True. True or false? I have way too many shoes. Um, false. You can't have too many shoes. <laughs> true or false? I'm confident that I have good relational boundaries with those who stress me out. True. True or false? The metaphysical spiritual realm has been very healing to me. True. True or false? It's pronounced Canadian gooses. Dear Lord. <laughs> <laughs> false. <laughs> that is awesome. That question is brought to you by my obsession with the show Letter Kinney the Canadian comedy and there's a whole episode dedicated to Canadian gooses. And I've wondered since then, <laughs> is that how they pronounce it? Is it not Canadian geese? Yeah. Canada geese. You don't Canada even say geese. Canadian, you say Canada geese. Canada geese. Okay. Yeah. Canada goose and Canada geese. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Somebody's going to fact check that. If I'm wrong, I'm going to be so embarrassed, but I'm really almost 100% certain that that is true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, of course we, we trust, we Americans will trust you. Definitely. <laughs> so, speaking of words and the proper word we now are in the round of word association this is the one that makes me a little bit nervous okay okay All right. we need to get ellen's mind out of the gutter we need to get away <laughs> from bad words that are going to pop in okay mm -hmm. All right. i'm looking over them again thinking is there anything that could have a a different um a provocative or sexual nuance to it and there there could be yeah yeah <laughs> anything okay. could be an innuendo yes the first word is rural rural <laughs> i said that weird brewery because i can't say either of those words oh rural brewery brewery nice. <laughs> brewery M mur mural is another one for me but that's why i also can't say rory Oh, Rory. Rory. Iron. Yeah. Iron. Iron. Yeah. Sorry, off track again. Singing. Ellen. Gentle. Strong. Fumbling. Forward. Rejoice. In the Lord always. Just kidding. <laughs> Edit that out. Ew. <laughs> Fear. Not. Vanish. Never. Eyeliner. Always. Religious deconstruction. Nope. Color. Black. Raindrop. 
roses whiskers <laughs> on kittens <laughs> jog run cook bake sweaty palm nervous curfew teenagers lesson plan in my head and last word voice use it sorry i'm totally cheating <laughs> that doesn't make sense use it use it yeah it, it, it yeah even if it shakes oh wait that's right that's yeah. one of my favorite quotes yep yes maya angelo angelo nope. Um, nope. no that was who is that uh i can't think of it right now it'll come back to me we need a fact checker on this show we really do i hope i have the right person because it is in my book Oh, so good. Hmm. We are now entering complete this sentence. And this is the part where I'm allowed to have more words, right? Yes, you can use okay. more words. Definitely. A lot more grace. Jesus gets a little more involved in this round of the show. So <laughs> a show that I could binge watch over and over again is. Oh. Skip. One, okay, I, I, this one you might skip too, and that's totally fine. What's funny is I, I don't tend to rewatch movies or shows because I remember them too well. Mm. So I really don't rewatch shows. Yeah, I have read an article that said it's very therapeutic and cathartic when you're feeling out of control in your life yeah. when you watch something that you know very well yes. and you know how it's going to end that that is actually very it lowers decreases really? cortisol and adrenaline and i have i have found that to be true for me so maybe it means if you don't do that you're anything too oh that makes sense i i feel like I am wasting my time when I rewatch. Oh. I already know what happens. Yes, yes <laughs> I feel yes, like yes. I'm. I feel like I'm not being efficient with my time, and mm -hmm. that's probably a bit of an enneagram thing. But anyway, <laughs> yes, fellow enneagram threes talking here. Oh, I totally, I totally agree. If it's a watching a movie with a friend, um, and I've already seen it, I'm like, this is. I won't do it. It's a waste of time. Yeah. But there, there are times like a Little Women the Winona Ryder version before Christian Bale got hot and fixed his teeth. That, <laughs> um, that one is very cathartic for me to watch and nostalgic That's and beautiful. True. And, um, and so I will watch that one maybe once a year. And, um, Oh, you know what? And there are definitely Christmas movies that I would mm -hmm. rewatch like the family stone and, um, several, yeah, several Christmas movies that I would rewatch. And those give me warm, fuzzy feelings, but. Yeah. So good. So good. A time period that I want to live in is. Oh, I. My, my immediate go-to is like Elizabethan era. Cause I, I feel like I would be a really good Elizabeth the first, but I think I'm going to say the 1920s um, because of speakeasies and music and dancing and um really great really great fashion really great style mm. i want to wear a feather in my hair and a little sparkly yeah. headband every yeah. day yeah <laughs> oh yeah people in my career field are mistaken when they assume 
Um, so as well as being a writer, like you said, I am a teacher. Um, and I think, I think that people are mistaken when they assume that teachers are just teaching subjects, teaching the curriculum. Mm -hmm. Um, and even in my, within my own career field, I think, uh, yeah, we do have to focus on curriculum, but to me, the hidden curriculum is way more important, like self-love, grit, empathy, teaching those things. Mm -hmm. You can't just teach brains on seats. We have to, we have to meet the whole human. Mm -hmm. And that means the you know the spirit and the soul and all of it mm. oh. what a blessing to use christianese what a blessing what a gift you are to your students that's my blessing i love teaching i love my students like mm -hmm. every year i mean there are hundreds of students that i love all over this planet still love them mm -hmm. yep. and i'm not an ooey gooey person i'm really not that's the funny part but anyway yeah mm. oh. speaking of yourself one lesson I feel I've been learning my whole life is that I am more blank than I once thought. Uh, unfortunately, I've had to learn this lesson over and over and over. Uh, I think I am more resilient and powerful, worthy, beautiful than many of the messages I've received in my life, whether from people. I think I'm actually very, very beautiful on the inside and resilient and powerful. Mm -hmm. One trend that I will never understand is. <sighs> um, butt implants. No, wait. <laughs> how, about those, how about those face implants that make you look like you have little horns like a devil? That's, that one's a little odd to me. That's oh a trend that I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to get there. And I love tattoos and piercing and things, but those, yeah. Face implants? Mm, no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. So right. So right. I always, <laughs> similarly related, I always find it so funny when so on social media or on the news or somewhere, the people, people in general are freaking out at how well Jennifer Lopez or Angelina Jolie or others have aged. And I, I, and I want to be like, they have millions of dollars. Like yes, they exactly. have had work done. This is no way natural. <laughs> right. You need to look at the teachers and the nurses and see mm -hmm. how good they look. Con yeah. Congratulate them because yes, they're yes. not paying for anything like that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's so funny. And I, I, of course, applaud them and body positive all the way and also i want to say this isn't are we really curious about how this happened like it, it it's it's plastic it's surgery that's what that's how it happened yeah <laughs> oh goodness oh, yeah no butt implants for me i'm good in the butt department <laughs> one song that makes me feel too much emotion is goodness i find one answer to any question, just terribly difficult. Um, okay, the first one that comes to me is um, You're the Inspiration by Chicago mm. because it gives me tormented sort of teenager junior high feelings when I hear that song. It's like my 13-year-old my self just, yeah, just rises up. But um, and what was the question again? That gives one, me the yeah, feeling. Yeah, I feel too much. When I listen to this song, it makes me feel too much. Okay. Um, I really love Mumford & Sons. I love, um, oh, yes. I love some banjo. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And the song like Sigh No More, I can play that no more while I'm driving. I actually got a ticket two months ago because I had that song on and it makes me drive really fast. Um, I actually got my first speeding ticket of my entire life because that man, when it really kicks in and the banjo is going, I feel like my heart is going to just burst right out of my body. And mm -hmm. it, uh, yeah, it makes me drive fast. So I am not allowed to listen to that song anymore whilst driving. Amazing. Uh, oh. what, one book that changed my life was. Cold Tangerines by Shauna Nyquist. Uh, Shauna is the first author that I read where I heard myself mm. in her writing. Like, um, as I read, as I read that book, it's funny, my sister's husband bought it for her and then I borrowed it from her. And as I read it, I just, I couldn't even believe it. I felt like, uh, it sounded like me and it was the first really honest and real writing. Not that others haven't existed before, but that I had encountered. Um, and I just, yeah, it, it sort of, I think it validated me as a writer, I was like, this is how I write. This sounds like me. This sounds like my voice. Um, and so it really, um, it opened up a door for me inside. Oh, that's powerful. And how old were you or how long ago was that? Oh my goodness. When would that have been? I don't even know when that book came out. It's gotta be, I mean, she's written, that was her first book, I believe. And she's been writing for some years now. So I don't know. Seven years ago, we might need to fact check that as well. Seven, eight, ten years ago. Wow, amazing! Yeah. I lived in this house, and I've been in this house for twelve years. So, <laughs> sometime in the last twelve years. Yeah. Oh. So I always think everything was the other day. Mm -hmm. I, everything for me was when was that? I was like, oh, it was the other day. The other day. <laughs> the other yeah. day. It was actually four years ago. <laughs> I hate when people make broad stroke assumptions about. Uh, I'm going to give another teacher answer here. I hate it. And I know it comes from jealousy, but I hate it when people say like, must be nice to have the summers off as a teacher. Uh, <laughs> or yeah, well, you get your summers off or they make snide comments about that. Um, first of all, I want to say you too could have gone to university and become a teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, but also I, I always want to say like, don't be fooled. Like we teachers work our 12 months in 10, do not be fooled. And we also do like 17 jobs as well as actually teaching curriculum. We're actually, you know, parenting and counseling and feeding and, you know, there's just, mm -hmm. it's just so much. And I mean, I know. I know there are a lot of jobs that have a lot more to them than, than the, the primary label, but yeah, summers off are a necessity for teachers because the 10 months are so absolutely intense that you couldn't, you couldn't do it for 12 months of the year. There's no way you could, nobody would last. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And speaking of work, one thing that I could not do my work without is my teaching work or my writing work? Let's switch over to your writing routine. Okay. Um, writing. Something that I could not do without is um, just my, my alone time to journal. Because mm. that is where I just pour my guts out onto the pages. And that's often where um, yeah, I just write down the things that are moving me or 
um, things that I'm noticing or themes or weird dreams I've had or metaphors that have come to me. And if I don't have time to journal, I find I can't write because mm. that's sort of where it initially forms. Um, but I would say a very close second is, is coffee. Definitely coffee. <laughs> yes. Yes. 100% coffee. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So speaking of journaling, some people refer to them as a, a nest, a stage, a microphone. What would, as, as queen of metaphor, in fact, I, I know you almost titled your first, your debut book, you almost titled it meta.for.life. Mm-hmm. And so you love metaphors. So what would be, what is the journal to you? Or if we do a simile, a journal is like blank. To what, How would you fill that in? I would say a journal is like a vault Um, because it is the place where I pour everything. It's like a, it's like the safest friend. Like I am somebody who, as you mentioned earlier, I'm an ambivert. I'm equally introverted and extroverted, which is just about rips you in half Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, And so my journal is, it's a place to, extrovert in an introverted way or to introvert to think and to process in an extroverted way and actually get it outside of my of myself I don't know yeah I think it's like a vault where I can actually just say all of the things and know it's not going to go anywhere once I burn them (gasps) which I now do (laughs) yes I that's something so unique about you is that beautifully unique that you do burn your journals Only as of, only as of like this last year before I kept them like treasures and I, I, I just, yeah, I I couldn't imagine getting rid of all of those words. There's Mm -hmm. actually an essay about that in my book about burning them. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I decided to start doing that, uh, not only because I, you know, I didn't want somebody to, I just find it horrific when people discover um, private journals after someone is gone, say mother Teresa, and then they get published. I just, I find that so invasive and, mm. uh, and inappropriate because journals are uh, sacred to me and private. And, um, and it's a place where we might be, <laughs> like I can speak for myself, I am definitely way more angry, way more, uh, I, I will just say all of the things because it's my place of process. It's not my, it's, and it's not that it's not true. It is true but it might be a way more spicy version that I would actually offer in my, you know, in my usual life. <laughs> so anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't want anybody publishing my journals ever because mm-hmm. that would just be, that would be a train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so, that's so true. <laughs> so, so true. I, I have, I have mine from the past. I, I do what you used to do. I keep them and like treasures in my closet from the past yep. goodness gracious uh since it's 20, 2007 okay so that's, that's a, a lot a lot and um yep yeah and i'm thinking is is my offspring going to even want these someday and oh, your lord I would never want my kids to read yeah <gasps> no yeah so oh. i'm thinking now why do i I guess one way I, one reason I keep them is 
it has been helpful to look back and see mm-hmm. how I used to think yeah. and that, oh my goodness, peop- some, some people in my life whose religious views or worldviews or stories they tell themselves that annoy me, <laughs> I used to have those seven years ago. And so I, it increases my empathy when I remember, oh my gosh, I used to be where you are. And someday, seven years from now, you might be in a different place and you yeah. might not. And that's okay too. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Burning. And I get really, I also get very, um, I am like, just as I'm an ambivert, I'm also equal parts uh, really like woo woo and really grounded. <laughs> and so I do get, I do get hung up on dates and things like that sometimes. So I will, if I'm feeling a certain way on a day, um, I will say, I used to, now that I don't have my journals, I don't do that. But I, I would, I would say, what was happening on this day? And I would flip back through journals to this same day, however many years ago, or just to see, you know, mm-hmm. did something happen on this day that my body remembers or that my, you know, my, my soul remembers somehow. And mm-hmm. anyway, so that kind of thing was meaningful for me, but ultimately for other reasons, I decided it was healthy for me to, yeah, to, um, to get rid of them because I realized that it was not meant to be. Uh, it's not, it's a place of process. It's not my total story. It's, mm-hmm. it's a place of how I process the story and which is very meaningful and useful. Um, but I didn't want the process to be what was remembered of me if they <laughs> ever got out into public. Right. Um, that was for my healing. It was a process for my healing and for my growth and for my, uh, for moving forward. It wasn't meant to be, that part wasn't meant to be captured forever. So I don't know if I just made any sense there whatsoever, but. Yes, you did. It yeah. was, it was very, very helpful. And, and you're so, you're so right to give the example of mother Teresa and how I, the idea that she never wrote those to be published and these normal human yeah. doubts she was having. Yes. I love, I love how you worded that, that it was, it's the process about the process. It's not the whole story, obviously um, in yeah. mother Teresa's life. And Yeah. And I, I also totally relate to this idea of using it as a tool for discernment because sometimes my, my journal is like a, a, the metaphor of a spotlight, that it shines brightly and points me toward what deserves my attention and care that day. And, yeah. and, when I, and I, I've always been a morning journaler. I think you are too. Yes, I am. Yeah. And that just really shines the light right where I need to be. Mm-hmm. focusing on energy wise on, on that day. And, and so yeah. I'm, I love blank lined pages that lay flat. I'm, do yours have to lay flat? I, lo- I have a, a particular kind of journal that I really love. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I do. Nice. Well, if our, if our, if our friend letting us hang out in their earbuds is also a journaler like us, then I'm super excited to share that I Am My Own Sanctuary now has a supplemental journal, but it's a guided journal. So there's 10 questions for each chapter based on this satirical self-help book that David Dalt of NPR called a full steam comedic rant. And it's all about helping recovering people pleasers take back the power over 
their lives from others by tapping into the divine. So if you, dear listener, letting us hang out with you today, if you're, if you're wanting a resource that will help you define confidence and certainty in who you are, even if you feel like a fake, while maintaining your job and your social life and without disappointing those you respect, and you, like Ellen and I, you really like to laugh while you learn, head over to Amazon, link in episode notes, and grab your copy of this guided journal that goes along with I Am My Own Sanctuary, How Recovering Holy Roller Found Healing and Power. And on that note, I think that we should go back in time to when you answered that French is not the prettiest language. I'm curious to know which one you think is. Um, okay. Yes. Um, and I do, just to be clear, I think French is so beautiful and it's, um, it is, I love French culture. I love, yes, I love the French language. However, um, this is a very timely question actually, because um, I have to back up a tiny bit, Meg. I hope that's okay. Of course. So for like four years. So I lived in Europe um, when I was in my early twenties, I worked with a missions organization. And when I met my first Norwegian, mm. like from that very minute, I started a love affair with all things Scandinavian, like, you know, clothing, culture, music, the food, the way, the way of gathering around sort of coffee tables for um, cake and eating. And um, anyway, and I even said, I said, if I ever have a daughter, I'm going to name her Ingrid. And guess what, everybody? I have a beautiful 15-year-old daughter named Ingrid. Um, anyway, so um, my, I think the, one of the most beautiful languages is Norwegian. I just, mm-hmm. it's so lilting. It's so, uh, it's so pleasing to my ears. Um, I know not many people in the world speak it, so it's not probably worth me spending a lot of time learning. However, it is a language I would like to know really well. I just, I find it so beautiful. But here's the thing that I want to tell you, okay? I'm dying of happiness. For Mother's Day this year, my kids bought me um, a DNA ancestry kit, something I've been wanting for a long time, okay? So I knew that, I mean, I'm Compton, like that is south of England all the way, right? Like I I already knew that I was British. I also wondered, uh, yeah, but I just just wondered. So um, as it turns out, everybody, I am 3.2% Scandinavian <laughs> and I'm dying of happiness like I am it's it's ridiculous happiness I know and you guys you can laugh at me you can make fun of me but honestly that was the most validating and exciting discovery I just found out yesterday so um yeah I feel like all of that love all of that Norsk love um was for a reason yeah it's unfortunate that it's probably in my ancestry because of you know pillaging and whatnot but oh, um gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Sorry, that was a long. Story. That's, that's so. Ex- yeah. <laughs> so basically, I have psychic gifts, is what you're saying. That I asked this question today. Yes, you do. <laughs> Superpower. Yes. <laughs> and speaking of powers, you have lots of superpowers, and your life story is amazing because you have been very well traveled. You have sang. You've sung jingles. You've written for lots of impressive magazines you've preached you've taught um and at the age of 18 you joined ywam is that right 19 yeah 19 19 years yeah yeah Yeah, 
Yeah. So, yes. and do you know what that is? You, I, I have heard of it and, yeah. um, youth, youth with a mission, youth with a mission that yes, 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 yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's non-denominational. It's non-denominational. Yep. It is a Christian organization. Um, and at the time it was, it was an incredible experience for me. Um, I was in Europe and yeah, it felt like a greenhouse time for me. Mm. Um, I'm a, my dad's a minister. I grew up in, you know, in a Christian household, but it was a time when I was just trying to figure out, figure out things on my own. And so I went off to Europe and worked with this mission missions organization for a couple of years and, um, and traveled and lived in other places. And yeah, it was, it was a really incredible time of growth. There's a lot about it now that I, I probably would no longer, um, agree with in the same way or no longer practice my faith in the same way. Um, but I have nothing but fond memories of that time. Yeah. Yeah. It seems that you and I had similar college experiences that instead of all of the, the illegal fun and experimentation that other peers had, we were holy rollers and overcommitted to the church. (laughs) Is, Is that a safe assumption with YWAM that there really wasn't a lot of illegal action or rebelling happen it was just a true obsession with the (laughs) christian religion or is this me projecting on you um i don't know yeah and i and i would say that i you know have you seen the movie the movie footloose (laughs) yeah oh totally (laughs) that preacher's daughter okay like so i was i was loving jesus and partying really hard in high school um that's pretty much how i've always rolled yeah um anyway so YWAM, yeah, there were definitely, it was definitely a very focused environment. Um, but that being said, uh, I would say with hindsight, there were a whole lot of us who were, you know, showing some parts and hiding others. You know, that was still a phase in my life path when I was, um, yeah, I hadn't fully integrated in terms of being who I am in the fullness of that all the time. So I could play the game. I could show uh, the parts of me that, you know, that worked within a Christian organization and I could still uh, maintain the other parts of me and just not let everyone know they were there. (laughs) So Mm. I think there were probably a lot of people in that category, not to say that that's a bad thing. I think that's a human thing. Um, And especially if you're, and I'm not saying this about YWAM, but any organization or any place, if you're somewhere where you are probably rightly aware that not all parts of you are going to be accepted, of course, you're going to hide them. Of course, you're not going to um, highlight those parts of your personality or your belief structures or, yeah. yeah. Um, but YWAM was, it was an incredible experience, just even culturally, living in a place with people from just many other countries. Um, and I lived in, um, I lived in Albania for a few months in Eastern Europe. And that was, that was just a little while after communism had fallen. So we were some of the first Westerners that, that many of the young people, especially anybody under the age of 50 or 55 had ever seen. So, you know, I ate a lot of, um, things that were not my favorite, <laughs> <laughs> like, like all the sheep and goat products and byproducts, you know, like, uh, yeah. you know, there's nothing like crouching over a, an Albanian toilet, oh which is not like a seat. It's like a hole. Oh, wow. Um, it's a really good quad workout. Yeah. Uh, Coaching over that and having like a little goat running around in the bathroom with you. And you're looking this sweet little goat in the eyes saying, I, I'm going to eat you for supper. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah no i really i still i still can't eat goat cheese oh, um, and i love cheese i love all the strongest cheeses but um i can't eat goat cheese because i ate so much goat cheese and goat byproducts when i lived there that i have never recovered <laughs> can't do it i yeah. bet is that the most insane story from your experiences traveling with four years in ywam oh my goodness ah uh, my goodness off the top of my head, yes, but no, I'm sure it's not the strangest, not wow. the strangest story. No. Wow. Um, I, also, I also did some really um, incredible performances. Like, no, I'm not going to say that. That's going to come off sounding mean. <laughs> you know, like back in the day when it seemed like um, if you wanted to introduce people to Jesus, you should like sing and dance in public. And that was probably going to do the job. <laughs> oh, yeah. seriously. Did that? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a phase of life. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not really sure how um, effective those attempts were on my part, but um, anyway. Yeah. So this brings us to <laughs> hilariously brings us to the question around your unique stance that is anti the wordage religious deconstruction. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's blowing up right now, but yeah. I know. It's funny because I'm always so, I don't ever want to offend anybody. And yet I do have, I do have opinions about things. And I really am, I, I am tired of the word deconstruction. And I know, I know it's just a word and it does, it does explain it's, it's the label that's been given to a change in our faith, right? And to a change in the way that we used to believe as, right. as opposed to now believe. Um, but I feel like the word deconstruction to me, and I am a word nerd all the way. Um, oh, yeah. The deconstruction to me speaks of breaking down and destroying and disassembling. And, um, and I don't feel like that is what's happened to me. Um, the way that my, the way that my faith journey has altered and changed, I feel like it's more of an expansion. It's mm. been a growth. Um, it's like, you know, in evolution, like everything has to evolve and change or it dies. Anything that stops evolving dies. Um, anything that stays, um, exactly the same becomes stagnant and dies. And that's whether it's a living creature, that's whether it's, um, our beliefs, that's whether it's, um, even, even a relationship, mm. everything has to keep growing and changing in order to, in order to survive. And so I feel like, I feel like that is, has, is what has happened to my beliefs and my, my faith more than anything else. I feel like I went from, uh, something that was relatively contained and, uh, structured to something that is just far more expansive and wide open and, bigger than, um, than I knew it could be mm. bigger than, uh, bigger and wider and more open and more amazing than, yeah, than, than I could have ever anticipated based on my, you know, my upbringing and my, yeah, what I was spoon fed, what I, what I, but I don't, but I don't regret any of my phases and stages and beliefs because all of it was part of the evolution and the growth and the expansion, right? Mm -hmm. You have to start somewhere and you have to move through all of that in order to get where you're going. So mm -hmm. yeah, I don't have bad feelings about it. Do I want to go back? No, I don't. 
but um, but I also I I have taken parts from every part of that journey with me as well. You know, it hasn't. It's not like everything has been left behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ha, funny pun, left behind. Sorry. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. Yeah, I I bond I bond with you so well for so many reasons, and one of them is this that we were we are both former ministerial leaders in the Christian church yeah. that are now being very nourished and fed through metaphysical Christian or metaphysical spirituality courses yeah. online and mentors and spiritual directors. And that's, that's, I, I value that in you mm-hmm. and so appreciate it. And, and it enhances this first book and also the second book that's um, bubbling up within and hopefully will become louder and louder over the next few years. Speaking psychically slash prophetically again, is that? <laughs> yes, def- selfishly, yes, yes. I Wanting- just a first book, so I'm not really sure about a second, but we shall see. <laughs> we shall see, yes. And speaking of the second book, you are, another unique thing about you is after a long career of teaching and preaching and singing and doing jingles and using those gifts where you are in front of a crowd, you're in this unique, beautiful season where you're like, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I just want to write. <laughs> and so tell us, tell us about that, that medium. What is it that makes you just want that? What makes you more attracted to serving people with, with words in a book by their bedside table? Goodness. Uh, um, I feel like I would rather write than speak now. Um, I think for a couple of reasons, superficially, superficially, I, <laughs> I am very, um, a- as you may or may not be able to tell on this podcast, I am super expressive with my voice. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's from teaching and teaching a second language. I've been a French teacher forever uh, because I've done tons of musical theater and that kind of thing, or if it's just my personality and my voice. Um, but I can be very, very expressive. And sometimes I get really p- passionate about things that or sound very passionate about things that maybe I don't feel that passionately about. And then I communicate something I didn't mean to communicate. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. um, I think what I really love about writing is that I can actually, um, it's, it's contemplative. It's, it slows me down. It slows down my mouth for starters, which sometimes gets ahead of my brain. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and then I can say exactly what I want to say. I can communicate what it is that I want to communicate. And I feel like sometimes that's a more reliable measurement of what I actually believe than when I'm just like spouting off off the top of my head and getting caught up in the moment and thinking I'm hilarious. And then, you know, just dying later as I replay the things that I said and shouldn't have said and wished I hadn't said. And um, so I think, yeah, I think that's maybe one of the reasons that I really enjoy writing um, but I think another one is my my growth, um, my progression of growth. I I wrote I wrote an essay probably a couple of months ago. I haven't posted it anywhere, and I haven't it's not in this book. But it's called um, it's called I Am More the Moon, and it's mm-hmm. all about how I used to feel. I used to feel like the sun. I used to feel bright and shiny and um, and like passionate and full of heat and light and um, just sometimes maybe even a little bit overwhelming and garish. Um, 
And I don't feel like that anymore. I feel like my pathway to wholeness and to health has been becoming, uh, becoming a little bit um, quieter. And I know I don't sound quiet at all. This is me being quiet. Um, <laughs> but, but, but actually, you know, um, being more comfortable with the faces that are in the moon already. I love the moon. I love the fact that there are these, it cycles through, she cycles through these phases um, every month and is okay with them. And not one of them, whether it's a tiny little sliver or, or fullness is wrong or bad or sad or better. They're just all part of being a human. And I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like I'm now more the moon than the sun. Um, and gosh, that sounds super, I don't know if that's making any sense at all, but um, it is, it is. I, I, yeah, I used to, I used to want to like speak and I, and enjoy, I enjoyed speaking at conferences and leading worship and, um, and doing all those things. And now health and growth and maturity for me looks like, um, it looks a lot smaller. Like smaller feels like winning to me right now. I feel like I've been in a, a major season this last couple of years of just really paring down and deciding what I do and don't do and who my people are and who I give myself to and what I give myself to. And, and I love the writing part of that, but I, you know, I'm not saying I'll never speak again, but I, I speak to the people that I'm with. I share myself fully with my students. I, with my children, with my, with my friends and in my writing. And yeah, I'm not interested in, in spreading myself so thin anymore. I, I like this pared down, smaller living that I'm doing. Mm. Holy long winded answers, Batman. <laughs> it was perfect. I have chills up and down my arms. It was so beautiful. It's what a beautiful life you have and smaller is success. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And does that have anything to do with when you answered earlier that one lesson you've been learning your whole life is that you're more powerful than you realized? Is this connected? Yeah, I think, I think maybe quite probably. Um, I know everybody's, you know, just yammering on about the Enneagram, but uh, it really is. It's a brilliant tool to me. <laughs> like, yeah. We love oh. it. Totally. Um, and it took me a really, really, really long time to, to figure out which type I was. Um, and it's because I'm the, I am the counter type of the type that I am. And, um, and my type is a very high achiever, is very, um, very kind of out there, go getter, get stuff, get stuff done. And I am, I mean, I'm the epitome of efficient and effective. I just mm -hmm. am. There's no time wasted. I get it done. Um, I can rely on myself a lot. Um, but growth for my, for my uh, personality profile is not seeking approval of other people or not, um, not thinking about what other people think. It's about being super comfortable with, um, with myself and how I feel about something and how I, uh, yeah. And I, and I feel like that is where I have grown a lot is in, it doesn't matter. Um, I need to, I need to feel good about the choices that I'm making for, for myself and for my family um, and for my, my people um, and the rest, let the chips fall where they may. Um, 
you know, if, if great things happen, like this book, for example, I feel like it was a little bit accidental. It's not because I obviously have been writing, but yeah. this, this book, this book proposal happened because I was avoiding writing report card comments in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I get, it. my closets get so clean. Um, everybody has clean sheets. Like, I mean, I dust baseboards and I do things like submit a book proposal when I'm supposed to be writing report card comments. So anyway, that's kind of what happened, but I have just gone way off the answer. Oh, no, not at all. That's so, that's so great. And if I, if I feel you and hear you write this, the Enneagram 3, which I am, as you know, the same type as you, uh, but I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not the counterpart, I don't, I don't believe, but now I'm really curious, um, is that we love being competitive and winning the game, but health for you and what you teach in this upcoming book is helping people who are done playing the game all together mm. and yeah. are ready to live free from the the social gauntlet and of course you're speaking like the it, the best of trusted guides you're speaking from experience and the trenches of yes. it that's yeah my, that's my favorite hashtag and i don't know if i invented it or where it came from but the whole truth from the trenches thing for mm-hmm. me, that was actually the tag on my website for a while as well, because I just thought I am right here in the middle of it with the rest of you. Like yes. I have, uh, I have teenagers and pets and full-time jobs and um, have to drive everybody everywhere. And it's just, it's just, you know, it's, it's real life and it's, it's trying to, yeah, it's trying to have joy and peace in the middle of the mess. Because we all have this real life that we live. Nobody is able to, or very few people are able to remove themselves from the trenches, right? Mm-hmm. This, is, this is where we do our daily grind. And, uh, but it's possible to just experience so much joy in the middle of that. Yeah. yeah. And July 27th is the day that this book, Good Things Happen in the Dark, a candid manifesto for courageous authenticity. So for our friend, I did, did I do it? You did it. You said it. <laughs> Yay. For our friends who want this on their bedside table and on Audible, it, um, where, where can they go to follow you on social media so they know when it drops and when they can get it? So um, my website, there's a link on my website, um, an early bird list. Um, and it's just my name. It's ellencompton.com. Compton, like straight out of, um, <laughs> and my Facebook is just Ellen Compton and Instagram is underscore Ellen Compton underscore. Um, cause apparently there are other Ellen Comptons in the world. Um, the, what was I going to say? Uh, we did early bird list. We did Instagram. We did, um, Oh, I know what I was going to say. Yeah. Not related. Okay. Yeah. Oh, what I do want to just want to say quickly is um, the process of doing this book cover was uh, it was very interesting. I'm a person who really cares about aesthetics. Um, yeah. I like I like how things look. I like uh, yeah. Uh, and and so putting this into somebody else's hands was like ah. <laughs> but um, the process was so phenomenal with the graphic designer with with choir and um, and we have landed on something he created something that is absolutely it's it's breathtaking to me it's so very beautiful it's so strange and intriguing and um and i feel like it perfectly captures my personality i feel like it captures the book in terms of this weird like heaven 
and earth. Mm -hmm. um, super spiritual and woo-woo and really grounded. Um, like really dark things, but with so much light. Just all of these weird things that seem like binaries or opposites that are actually connected and part mm -hmm. of the whole. Um, and I feel like the book cover really has captured that. And I can't wait for you all to see it. It's so beautiful. Yes. And I know after all of the beautiful words you've nourished our souls with in this conversation that our listener is going to want more Ellen Compton content. So I encourage you, listener, to head over and get on that early bird list so you can be in the know when the book drops at ellencompton.com. That's so exciting. And follow her on Instagram. You will laugh every day. <laughs> you will laugh and have your mind and heart expanded. <laughs> So, so, so awesome. Well, I will let you get back to Canadian life. And thank you so much for, for hanging out tonight. Oh, it's been wonderful as always, Meg. I so enjoy our conversations. Me too. One day they'll be in person and not over Zoom. <laughs> will. We got to get these borders open so we can have a proper in-person visit. <laughs> let me know how this served you in the reviews. Reviews help us to get this show to more people that want to be served by its unconventional wisdom for spiritually attuned go-getters. And I want to make a shout out to D.A. Goldman's who wrote, this podcast is a good place for inspiration. Five stars. I found this podcast very fun and helpful as a person who is constantly looking for ways to enjoy my existence and be a positive influence in the lives of everyone I encounter. If you enjoy laughter, learning, and living an inspired life, you will enjoy this podcast. So thank you, Mr. Goldman, for that review. And head on over to iTunes and leave your own thoughts. How did this episode serve you? Also be sure to follow me over on Instagram by my legal name, Meggie Lee underscore Calvin. Again, that's Meggie Lee underscore Calvin. Friends call me Meg. Hit me up there and keep on getting tips and tricks and tools around recovering from burnout and crushing your goals as a spiritually attuned go-getter. I cannot wait to be with you next Thursday. Can't wait.